morning. Merry Christmas. Let's turn in our Bibles again to Luke 1, 26 through 56. I'm going to try not to cough into the mic too much this morning, but the family had flu this past week, so we're on the back side of that. We've all probably are well-versed in the narrative of the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Scripture, and typically you would go to Luke 2 to gain uh, the biblical narrative there, but rather than go uh, to Luke 2 this morning, I've chosen instead to go earlier uh, preceding Luke 2, the chapter before Luke 1, and we're going to look at 26 through 56. Uh, not in its entirety, this is obviously quite a chunk of scripture, but want to look over um, kind of an overarching uh, preview there and see what we might be able to glean, and to glean from it uh, as 2014 Christians as we contemplate the birth of our Savior in this Christmas season. So, uh, turning your Bibles, I would pray that you would have them to Luke 1, 26. And if you would uh, please stand with me uh, to once again honor the reading of God's Word as we would once again read this. Thank you, Daniel, for doing that earlier. <clears throat> Luke 1, 26 through 56. Hear now the reading of the Lord's Word. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary and in coming in he said to her greetings favored one the Lord is with you but she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold you will conceive in your womb and bear a son And you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is he who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel his servant 
in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. Let's once again go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to learn from your word, to engage this morning in a most supernatural work, the working out, uh, the working of your Holy Spirit through your word upon the hearts of us, your children. And we ask and pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes, uh, encourage us, exhort us, challenge us, rebuke us, draw us closer to you through this. And Lord, I would pray that we might uh, once again gain a clarity of vision in our understanding of this Christmas season by the text that we look at this morning. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray, amen. Please be seated. St. Augustine had this to say, he whom by all things were made was made one of all things. The Son of God by the Father without a mother, capital F, Father without a mother, became the Son of Man by a mother without a father. The Word who is God before all time became flesh at the appointed time. The Maker of the Son was made under the Son. He who fills the world lays in a manger, great in the form of God, but tiny in the form of a servant. This was in such a way that neither was his greatness diminished by his tininess, nor was his tininess overcome by his greatness. John Piper said, Christmas is the Holy Spirit coming to a virgin, Mary, and causing her to give birth to a son, Jesus, making him the son of Mary, the son of God, and our holy, great, and eternal King. And this is the magnificence of this season, is this great and mighty God has come to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And we're going to look at this morning at Luke 1 and look at the narrative and then approach this um, from how we can learn, and there's much to learn here. But let's just first look at verse 26. Let's approach this text from historical aspect, beginning of it. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. The sixth month of what? Is that the sixth month of a year? No. That's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. How do we know this? Well, back in 24, uh, Luke 1, 24, it says, After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. She kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. And we also know this because at the verse 36 of Luke 1, we see, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she was called barren, is now in her sixth month. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel, uh, the messenger from the Lord, visits Mary. Now, we, do not, we don't really know much uh, about Mary at all. We probably know a little bit more about Joseph. Uh, we know that according to Matthew, he was a just man. He was an honorable man. Uh, we know that Mary is a humble uh, young lady. We don't know her age, but many have presumed her to be quite young, anywhere between 14 and 16 years old. So we have a very young lady um, who is engaged. Uh, your translation might say engaged. Other translations say betrothed. Um, 
the, the Greek would point us out that this engagement or this betrothal is a lot more, there's a lot more weight to it than uh, what we typically think of as an engagement. When they were betrothed, it was as if they were going to be married, though not yet. So <clears throat> a very close relationship with Joseph. And then this angel comes and visits Mary. And let's look at what he tells her in verse 28. Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And I I think it's very interesting, her response. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now this term favor with God is used much in the Old Old Testament. Moses found favor with God. Abraham found favor with God. So there is um, this this statement's already there, but there is really nothing that would show, and we would know according to Scripture, uh, nothing in Mary's life, a sinner as she is, that would have any merit of favor with God. And I believe that's probably why she had this perplexed thought, uh, this wonder of what kind of salutation this was, is why? Why am I favored? Why am I, why is the Lord with me? I've not done anything to earn this. I found favor with God. Okay, why? Behold, you will conceive in your womb, bear a son, you shall name him Jesus. Up to this point in the angel's message, there's really not much other than you found favor with God, which is obviously quite a statement in itself, that would be of question to Mary. She knows she's going to be married to Joseph. There probably wouldn't be any difficulty in her believing that, yes, one day I will be pregnant. Yes, one day I will have, may have a son. Okay, you want me to name him Jesus? That's fine. Jesus was a common name back then. There's nothing uncommon there. The Hebrew word would be Joseph, or meaning God delivers, God saves. Okay, we can name him that. That's in the line. That's no problem. But then the message is given in a greater way. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. The stakes have been dramatically increased. We've gone from just having a son to now having a great son to being the son of God, as we will see later on in the text. But also the, the eternal ruler that has a reign that will never end. And Mary would know that uh, this is a statement that is the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy as promised in 2 Samuel 7.16. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you quickly. And it says, your house, meaning David's house, and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. And Mary actually quotes in her Magnificat over in verse uh, 46, some of the Old Testament passages. So we've gone from having a son to quickly realizing we're talking about the Messiah here. I, I have, uh, you, you can imagine in, in some small way, Mary's uh, shock knowing of the prophecies and then in, in really a very short amount of time, just in a few seconds, realizing I, I'm, I'm the one that will 
have been given this honor, I will be the one who will bear the Messiah. This, this Messiah is going to be my son. Now, I think we need to stop here and um, realize that we very much have the same characteristics of Mary. We have nothing within us that has found favor with God. We're born in our sin. We have not in any way uh, done anything that would be good in the eyes of God. All have sinned. No one, uh, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, we have been given a favor, haven't we? We've been given Christ, the Son. He's been given to us. And we've found favor, not because of our merit, but because of the merit of the Son. Because of God's love for us. Now let's, let's continue. Let's look at this word great. That's where it really begins to escalate. Verse 32, he will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. This is the, the greatness of the baby Jesus. Um, we, we oftentimes think of this, this just humble child, which he, which he is. But as Augustine said, there's, there's the both sides. He was so great. And he was the fulfillment of so many things in the Old Testament that Mary was probably well aware of. But we can go back to Genesis and look at the ark and see that Christ is a picture of the ark. This ark carrying men chosen by God and their families to safety and yet couldn't do so in its completion, in its entirety, perfectly, and yet Christ does that for us. He's great in that way. He was the sacrificial lamb that could perfectly be the perfect sacrifice that God gave to Abraham in place of Isaac. And Christ, the greatness of this baby Jesus, was just that. He was the sacrificial lamb there in Exodus. He is our bread, the living water, the bread of life. He is the manna that was in the desert. Adrian Rogers, in a sermon on the portrait of Christ, does a good job in kind of tabulating there where Christ is in the Old Testament. Christ is the seed of woman. Genesis 3.15, we're told he will one day crush Satan. These are some things that Mary would have known about. In Exodus, we find the story of the Passover lamb. Christ is the sacrificial lamb given for us. Leviticus, he's the high priest making the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins. Deuteronomy, he's the great prophet in the view of Moses. Joshua, he's the captain of the Lord's host. Judges, he's the uh, judge of the universe. The great judge, Boaz, and there in Ruth is... He, Christ is our kinsman redeemer. He redeems us from sin. He's David, the anointed one, picturing who Christ would be is described in the son of David. And so this, this, is, this is the greatness, and, and there's so much more, but this is the greatness of this, of this baby child that now Mary is realizing is going to be her son and is going to be the one who will save his people from their sins. Now look with me at um, verse 32 again. Called Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, and his kingdom will have no end. He rules and reigns over his chosen ones. And we know that that's not just uh, the house of Jacob. The Gentiles that believe in Christ are now involved in that. We know that according to Romans 9. 
22-30, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory, for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Even us, whom he has called, not from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I call beloved. In the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called sons of the living God. This is this great and mighty Christ that is coming to Mary in the form of a baby. And like Mary, we've been given uh, not a son, but we've been given the son, capital S. We've been given this Christ. Look at Mary's response in verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? Now, now note that verse, put your finger there, and then go back up to uh, verse 17 of Luke 1. So just a few verses up. And we have the narrative here of the birth of John the Baptist, or the coming of John the Baptist. And this angel has met Zechariah, Zacharias, and look what he says, verse 17. It is he who will go as forerunner before him the spirit and power of Elijah to, her, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So here, Zacharias has had an angel tell him much the same of what has been told Mary. You're gonna have a son and uh, you're gonna name him John and, and here's who he's gonna be and this is what he's gonna do and this is how great he's gonna be and look at his response and then we're gonna mirror that with how Mary responds. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And then look at the response of the angel. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. How dare you question that this could even be possible? Silence. You will not speak for nine months. Well, why doesn't have this same response be given to Mary? How can this be since I am a virgin? Well, I, I think the, the response simply is, Zacharias is saying, prove it. Prove it. I want to walk by sight, not by faith. Show me. How's this going to be possible? Mary is saying, not prove it, but humbly, how, how is that going to be? I, I'm, I'm simply a virgin. How am I going to have this, this child who's going to be great, the son of God, the holy one? How is he going to be my child when one, I'm a virgin, two, I'm not yet even married? I can't have a child with Joseph and have this type of child. How is that going to even be possible? It's a question of, of faith. It's not a question of prove it to me. And you see the results. This is the, well, we'll see the result here in just a second. But this is the, this is the question often for us, is are we asking God, God, you, you gotta prove this. I, I don't have the faith to see this. I, I wanna walk by sight. And he asks us, Christ asks us, God asks us, walk by faith, not by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. And the gospel 
of Jesus Christ being this supernatural work, it requires that we're going to trust the word of God. That is the sight that we have is through the word of God. And Mary, as a picture for us, she trusts the word of God through the angel Gabriel. And we must now, we have the entire scriptures, trust God for what he has given for us to do. But notice Mary gets an additional blessing. Zacharias gets silence for nine months. Mary gets an additional blessing. Look at the blessing that she gets. How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered her and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Or your Bible said, there, may, may say, therefore, because of the Holy Spirit working upon you, this child will be called holy, shall be called the Son of God. And then here's the additional blessing. And behold, your relative Elizabeth has also conceived, conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now, Mary hasn't seen all of how God's going to work in her life or in Elizabeth's life, but she's been given the blessing of seeing just a little more, just enough more to gain that much more faith to trust in what the Lord's going to do through her. Nothing will be impossible with God. Trust me on this, Mary. I've taken someone who has been called barren, who could not have a child, and is in fact even in her old age, and I've given her a child. If I can do that, that should give you enough faith to trust me for this coming work in your life. And that's the way we must respond. Humbly, Lord, I need faith. I'm gonna trust you, but I need faith to trust you in this. And oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes the Lord brings, maybe it's someone else into your life and says, man, I went through something a lot like that. And let me show you how the Lord has worked in my life since then. And just gives you that, that testimony of how he is working and allows you to respond once again in humble uh, faithfulness to him. Now, we've got uh, Mary being given this child. She understands the ramifications of what's going to happen. She realizes that this is going to be something that's supernatural, the Holy Spirit upon her. And then look at her response. It's a telling response. Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it, done, may it be done to me according to your word. She has two responses. The first one is humility. The second one is praise, which we'll look at in a minute. The first one being humility is, is really a wonder that she could respond this way. Mary understood, and if we put her in our, ourselves in her place, this, was, this is the stepping off point for her. Life from here forward would never be the same, not just because of the son that she would have, but because of the ramifications of what it meant for her to be pregnant, not married. Her life would never be the same from here forward. There would always be the naysayers. Oh, right, sure, you're a virgin. Mm -hmm. There would always be the people who would mock her. There would always be the people that would give her the hard time. There, she, she would never have the closeness of fellowship with others because she would always have that label. But look how she responds. Behold, I'll do it. I'm the bond slave of the Lord. This is something I will do. I am your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. For us as Christians, we've got to understand the ramifications in our life of what it means to follow Christ. When you, when you have been given by the grace of God the ability to understand the depravity of your sin and you respond in faithfulness to him, you are never the same. 
Internally, externally, socially, it's different from here forward. And the question for us is, will we embrace that and go, the wonder of knowing Christ is that much, is so much more than the, the acceptance I might gain from others, the, the fun that might be allowed me in the world's pleasures, the pleasures of sin being a, just for a season is not something I desire rather than the pleasures of knowing the Lord for eternity. That's, that's, the, that's the question for us as believers and mirrored here in the life of Mary. Will we make that step and say, look, it, Christ is all worth it. There's, there's nothing better than Christ. I'll take it. I'm willing to be a slave rather than to sin. I, am, I will rejoice in being, having the opportunity to be a slave to righteousness, to serving the Lord for the rest of my days. No matter, no matter the, the comfort level, no matter the acceptance level, no matter the matter. It doesn't matter. Christ is most glorious. I will gladly give my life for him then look, she responds and prays. We're gonna go to 46 here just a minute, but in the meantime, she, she quickly goes to see her cousin Elizabeth. Why would she do that? I, I think the reason that she did that is because that would help her and her, bolster her faith in what's gonna come here. And she'd just been told Elizabeth is is with child, so let's go see. She goes to see, and Elizabeth, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, responds in a way that confirms what the angel has told Mary. And then look at Mary's response. She responds in praise. And, and this response, this praise of hers, this magnificent of hers, it, it really should be ours as well. Our first response to the work of God in our life should be one that is humble. But then it should just go to exaltation. It should go to praise. And that should be not just because of the work of God initially in your life and the gospel, but each day as you see his work in you, it should be one of, oh God, I am underserving. But oh, what a joy it is to serve you and to see what you have done for me. My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. And we will be too. For the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name. She quotes from the Old Testament here in verse 50. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, exalted those who were humble. She quotes the Old Testament again in verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things, sent away the rich empty-handed. He's given help to, his, to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stays with her through the culmination of her pregnancy all the way toward the end, three months. It seems to have left just before she actually had her son John, Elizabeth's son John. Well, this is uh, this is really the heart of the matter for us. Is uh, as, you, as you go out uh, today and uh, you go through the foyer and and you see the manger scene there, or you you drive through your Fredericksburg and you see the manger scene there, or maybe through your neighborhood and you see one, and, and oftentimes you see this and you'll see it in there. I, 
noted it as it came in, um, the baby Jesus reaching out. And that's, that's really the, the disparity between the, the Son of God born as a child and yet also that Son of Man. And we've got to constantly be reminded in this Christmas season of the, the King that we are worshiping. And oftentimes there's difficulty in realizing yeah, he's, not, he, he's, he's not the child anymore. He's the risen, reigning Lord. And we view this child as reaching up and, and needing help and needing for us to, to accept him and hold him and, and conjole him and, and help him. And then we take that into our, our daily lives and think, well, God needs me. Jesus needs me to accept him. Oh, no, we need him. We need him desperately every single day. We don't need, he doesn't need us, but he, he chose us. And he invites us, come, be with me in an in a, in a eternal relationship. I love you. I've chosen you, not because you have favor, but because I've placed my favor on you. And then I've given you the blessing of knowing my son, Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. He, Christ has come. He's, he's come to us. We're not just, we're, we're really not celebrating this at this time of year, the birth of our Savior. We are, we're remembering the birth of our Savior and we're rejoicing in it because of who he is and where he is now. He came in low estate, but he also came in the greatness of the perfect king that rules and reigns over all and will do so for eternity. And he has, he has come not needing us but inviting us to come to him. Coming for me and he came for you. He's come for us all. So this, this rejoicing of Mary should be our testimony as well in this season. This is, this is such an opportunity and, and one that really we've got to take advantage of now, which is why we're going to be proclaiming the glory of Christ this afternoon. And hope that you will join in doing so. Because th- th- this Christmas season, th- this, is, this is not something that w- if, if we continue forward in the way that the United States of America is going in terms of religious liberty, this is not something we're going to be able to do. And this is our opportunity to proclaim the glory of our, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And may we mirror what Mary did. She responded humbly, but then she went and she proclaimed and she rejoiced. And that's what we must do. Go to the world, proclaim, rejoicing. Look what Christ has done. He's come, the form of a child, and yet reigning king for you. Respond humbly. Repent, please. Because he is king, just, and will bring justice so what's our, what's our application this morning? How do we apply this now into our daily lives? I think, uh, think it would be threefold, very simply. And that is if, uh, as a believer, your faith has, has waned, is, is weakened. The, the toils of, of this world have uh, been difficult lately. The battering of whatever it is upon your life has, has caused you to be weak. And I would encourage you to be strengthened in the work of Christ for you through this Christmas season. Just to, to once again marvel and revel in this holy child 
that is your Savior Christ. And for those who, that'd be one, and number two, for those who do not believe, uh, or maybe for the first time have, have, have realized the magnificence of this Christ that has been given for you, to, to turn and repent. This just, righteous King, Christ, who has all the wrath, st- uh, all his wrath stored up for you, the unbeliever, will one day in his righteousness pour that out upon you. And yet realize now his grace and love that has been extended and allowing you to hear the word of God spoken and respond to that. Respond humbly, respond in repentance, and then turn in rejoicing at, at, at this Savior Christ who's been given for you. And for those who, of us who believe, who are pressing forward and striving to the mark, not perfectly, but in his grace, I would just encourage you this morning, continue to, continue, continue, continue to fight the good fight. Continue to search for him. Continue to seek him faithfully because he's been faithful to you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we rejoice at this Savior. Our Savior. Christ the Lord. That you, Father, would have humbled yourself. And you've, you came and you lived a perfect life for us. And then you died for the sins of everyone here and everyone who has been chosen, foreordained. You've you've willingly and gladly laid down your life. My prayer, Father, would be that we would simply do the same. humbly submitting ourselves willingly, gladly laying down our lives for the cause of Christ. Lord, may we, may we understand in its entirety this season that this little child that we, we contemplate in celebrate and worship during this season is so much more. And may we may we take every opportunity taking this opportunity this afternoon, taking the opportunity with extended family, taking the opportunity within our own hearts this season to rejoice, to praise you to exalt your name, realizing that we, humble of low estate, often proud in our own heart, really nothing, having no, no form or fashion within us that would anyway be lovely to you, and yet you, your, your favor has been given to us.
what a joy this is. Father, I thank you for the opportunity now to to fellowship with one another and rejoicing with one another, reminding one another, encouraging one another in this work of Christ in our lives and strengthening one another in the, in the battle for that, that will be this coming days, the battle within our own heart to remain focused upon you, the battle in the world around us to uh, not turn to Christ and us being engaged in that battle through the grace of God to help others through the work of the Holy Spirit turn to you in saving faith that we might encourage one another in that. And Lord, I would pray that as we would uh, go out this afternoon, those who are able to do so, um, you would strengthen us and bring about supernatural opportunities. Uh, Even now, preparing uh, the hearts of those that will be uh, uh, at home, that we will visit and sing to and give a gift, that uh, we might be uh, able, Lord, to join in that supernatural work of Uh, proclaiming the glory of Christ to them and seeing them respond in humility and in faithfulness. Help us to be, Lord, faithful to you during this Christmas season. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for the opportunity to now pray together uh, corporately as our men would lead. And uh, we trust, Lord, that you will uh, lay upon individual men's hearts that which we need to be praying about. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.